Welcome back, everyone, to Point of Sale. Of course, this is the retail supply chain show where we break down the greatest retailers and, of course, the data and technology that move their supply chains. Uh, today, we're going to go globally uh, with our main topic. But before we get into that, it's been a while since I've done a quick update of where some of our favorite retailers are standing. Uh, a lot of earnings calls have been happening over the last couple of weeks. And so I figured, why not get caught up with a lot of the the companies that we focus on and where their technology investments have led them and what we should expect to see from them, at least from a consumer uh, spending point for uh, this quarter and upcoming quarters as well. And of course, uh, we can't honestly even look at reviewing retailers until we look at my favorite. And I, I've gotten to the point where I'm just kind of uh, done pretending like they're not one of my favorites when they come to uh, their technology investments, their work in uh, even the VC space, how they treat their drivers, uh, how they are changing the way that they work their facilities, and how they are changing the way that they're working their own warehouses and fulfillment centers. We've got to give a round of applause to Walmart. Now, uh, Walmart, of course, is cautious, like most retailers, going into 2023. They recently, of course, uh, showcased their Q4 earnings from uh, this past year. And I think it's in particular to note that, of course, that time is going to be covering a lot of the Christmas holiday shopping. Uh, and overall, they actually saw 7.3% revenue growth year over year in the quarter. Uh, over 20% of their growth was actually from global ads. Uh, this is a big piece that we've talked about over the past uh, couple months and a few episodes uh, is how are retailers going to add more customers when so many different economies are struggling to, of course, uh, find customers or are dealing with customers or consumers with less purchasing power than they've had in the past. Uh, well, one area is going to be advertisements. It's going to be marketing. It's going to be how are you finding customers? How are you placing your ads in front of customers? That's going to bring new faces to your business. Well, that's how I think we, we saw that 20% growth. Walmart has done a huge amount of global uh, advertising, not just for themselves, but for their third-party sellers, uh, much like uh, the systematics that you see kind of behind Amazon as well. Uh, but they've brought that more into, I'd say, almost like a family-type atmosphere. So exciting to see huge growth in a piece of their business that I think the average consumer doesn't even really realize exists. Uh, they actually saw $16 billion in returns uh, to shareholders over the past year. That's an average of about 12.7% ROI for most shareholders. Uh, I, I bring that up because at the end of the day, I know a lot of people that watch this show also trade. So it's important to uh, see and showcase uh, those who've done well for their, pro their uh, consumers' portfolios over this past year. Uh, this great return, uh, both for shareholders and their year-to-date return as well. Uh, of course, the CEO said uh, he's also always appreciated how the company has been nat naturally hedged. So what he means by that is there's ways that they can capture new business no matter how the economy is performing. For example, 
Uh, they saw a huge share of their customers move over to uh, becoming Sam's Clubs members in order to buy bigger bulks, better pricing. Uh, and that's a perfect showcase of exactly what they mean by naturally hedged. Uh, and that they saw actually a huge amount of shoppers move to Sam Club, Sam's Club, not just uh, in more of maybe middle class, but actually higher income shoppers as well. Uh, everyone's trying to find a good deal right now. Everyone's... Uh, uh, budget, uh, dual budget uh, spending and, and figuring out, okay, where should I save and, and where can I continue to splurge? And I'm not, not surprised to see those high income shoppers moving over to Sam's Club as well. I recently actually went into a Sam's Club. It's been a while. Uh, it was very clean, very nice in there. So I know that they're working on exactly how they're presenting themselves better uh, in terms of stores and, and as you walk in and uh, the overall atmosphere as a consumer too. They actually have a new business as well. Uh, their e-commerce site in partnership with Salesforce has been huge. Uh, what they do with that partnership is those uh, different brands or different sellers that use Salesforce can actually now uh, use the Salesforce uh, Walmart integration in order to help scale their local fulfillment. It's huge for small businesses. Uh, so huge that in the last quarter, they saw 30% growth. $2.7 billion in revenue uh, from that. So again, uh, it's a lot of different areas that Walmart's focused on. We're not, we haven't even gotten into a lot of the investments or anything that they've made, but just overall surface, really great to see how they're uh, performing. So excited to see that. And like I said, I know I love Walmart. If you listen to the radio show, I'm constantly, constantly explaining how much I love Walmart, but I, they're really, really struggling to find a sore spot uh, um, in my heart at this point. Uh, another great one that I love, uh, I used to service it during my broker years a lot and really interested in how they're growing and, and rearranging their businesses in order to keep up with modern times. And that's Home Depot. Uh, they actually saw net sales grow 0.3% to $35.8 billion this last quarter. Uh, and that's actually pretty huge. I know it doesn't seem like a lot of growth, but remember, think of what they're selling. Lumber prices are shrinking, so it makes for really bad comps for them. Uh, they did see transactions fall about 6%, but the average cart grew about $90. So uh, the consumer is spending more, which is, of course, great for them. Uh, maybe the transactions are less, so they're going to work on, of course, trying to get more consumers to add more to those carts before they leave both physically and online. Uh, but uh, it's interesting. You have to remember what they were selling in the past and what prices have fallen and what has rose. And uh, I think for the comp situation that they're in, it's pretty good stuff. Uh, they're actually announced as well that they're investing $1 billion in annualized uh, con uh, compensation for their hourly associates. Uh, not Never a bad thing in, in my eyes to be doing that. But I think it showcases to you and to all of us exactly where Home Depot is heading, what they're focused on, that they see this turnaround and that they're going to continue to see um, if people maybe aren't buying new houses. A lot of these people that did buy houses recently, maybe they're fixing them up. Maybe they're uh, spending more time at Home Depot adding home repairs. Uh, and they need to, they did admit in their call that they need to improve on employee retention. They think this is one area that will help a lot. They're creating new management positions so that there's more of a career path for their workers. Uh, and 
92% of their staff, including everyone at their headquarters, uh, will actually fall underneath this uh, hourly raise. So uh, you should see some happier faces inside Home Depot. So there's a little bit more customer service from that. In addition, more more people working. They're looking to hire about 200,000 more workers this year alone. So again, I like diving into these earnings calls because it gives you an idea of what retailers are expecting down the line. These are two big ones, two big ones that have, well, honestly, some pretty powerful uh, uh, competition out there, especially Walmart and Amazon or even Walmart and a number of other stores. We see Kroger could be huge, huge with Albertsons on its back. And uh, I think there's, uh, it's, if, if we were to fast forward five years from now, I think we're going to be overly surprised at where Walmart's headed. So again, I will admit bias on it. I, I love everything the company's doing, uh, but I think it's a great showcase of how you you go up against someone like Amazon and you got to show up ready to compete. So excited for that. And now let's take a step a little bit more globally. Well, Walmart is global, but still we'll take a step a little bit more globally. And we're going to look at uh, retail in particular, the global trade of retailers and shippers and what could possibly help create a bigger uh, opportunity for us to ship globally, uh, increase global trade. And of course, knowing me, it's technology focused. Uh, today, we have two guests with us. I'm very excited. Uh, I believe, uh, Verhan, I think you've been on the show before, uh, but we have Satish Swaroop with us. He's the Chief Technology Officer at CEBS Worldwide. And Verhan Ortinsky is the Vice President of Business Development over at Cargo X. Uh, thank you both uh, for joining me today. I'm very, very excited for this. Excited to have uh, both of you on to talk about, well, honestly, electronic BOLs, right? Let's get them moving. Let's get uh, let's get the world updated with the technology we have available. If the two of you, uh, Satish, if you want to start, just introduce yourself and tell us what, what brought you into this industry. Well, uh... I've been involved uh, for a very long time. This is my like 26th year in the industry. I started with the education in industry sector, you know, did a lot of R&D there. And then in late 90s, everyone was talking about e-commerce, you know, and gladly I was part of IBM, which was already deeply involved in e-commerce. And believe me, since 2000 till now, we never looked back. E-commerce was always there. I mean, the the size, the kind of business that keep that kept evolving, but e-commerce never stopped. You know, uh, you just need to give reasons for people to shop, and uh, that's all right. And pre-COVID, post-COVID, things have changed, but e-commerce, e-marketplaces will continue to exist. I could uh, not disagree with you at all on that one. It's uh, so I brought up earlier Walmart and their ads, right? It's just about capturing this new business and being able to fulfill it on the shipping or logistics end of it as well. Uh, Vern, do you want to introduce yourself as well? I think you, you've been on the show with us before. Yes, yes, I have been on your show, uh, I, don't, I think, uh, two years ago, one and a half year ago, something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you had different, <laughs> different hair at that time, and... Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yes, so, I did have blue hair. That's right. There we go. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, my background is in freight forwarding, and uh, I was in a field for many years. And at one point in in my career, uh, Stefan, our CEO, came to the idea to to put the bill of lading on blockchain, and 
here we are. Uh, now I'm I'm uh, a business development uh, guy in, in in the company, and I really like to do this. And we are we are changing a lot of things in the world globally, and this has really moved me. And it's amazing what is happening right now. Yeah, you guys have had uh, quite a year. Before we dive into that, I want to kind of focus a little bit on why Satish is here with us today. Your business is focused on the digital transformations across industry verticals and specifically applying a lot of technology, including blockchain, into uh, the logistics world. Can you explain uh, exactly how your company is doing that and what problems you're helping to solve across, across global supply chains? Yeah, sure. So, uh, like I said, you know, during COVID, people realized that logistics, transportation industry has a lot of problems which were not visible because things were happening, things were moving. But, you know, as people started realizing that the digital transformation is a big piece missing in the puzzle. And uh, it was there, but not to the extent that you would expect in a situation like COVID. So, that's what we are actually into. And what we are trying to do is this whole supply chain ecosystem is, is very broad, you know, and it's, it has a lot of uh, challenges because you have uh, on one side, you have customs, ports, shippers, carriers, you know, all, it's, it's a complete ecosystem of a lot of entities involved. And as an organization, we are helping these people, uh, you know, do the digital transformation because the kind of blockchain uh you know, uh, we want to bring into the ecosystem, there has to be a lot of readiness by just not one entity. So the whole ecosystem has to adopt. And that's the way uh, this blockchain can address a lot of issues we have in terms of uh, transparency, security, avoiding malicious intent that people may have, you know, when people move things around, fraud detection. So there is there are so many issues. And uh, what we feel is having blockchain in the whole uh, puzzle and with a lot of AI and IoT, uh, we can make a huge difference in the industry. Yeah, and that uh, work, especially between your two companies, has brought us here today. I got the privilege to announce, of course, the fact that your partnership was working to help those who are uh, once under, uh, at least former TradeLens users, and we'll get to TradeLens in a second, uh, help a number of these global carriers uh, uh, adopt more EBOL uh, usage within their supply chains and be able to, of course, integrate that into their systems. And that's how the two of you have come here to be. Uh, Brian, let's start with just EBOLs in general. Uh, we're moving closer to the standard. DCSA has been a big part of this. Um, of course, many large, pretty much, I'd say, Pretty much all of the large global carriers are on board and get in applying electronic BOLs to their um, operations. If we can start utilizing EBOLs on a more larger scale, Verhan, how much larger could global trade grow uh, than it is uh, sitting today? Well, I mean, it's uh, difficult to predict the future. But there are some estimates, uh, some reputable organizations uh, gave uh, recently, and we agree with those estimates uh, because we see on our experience in Egypt, uh, working with our clients, how much more efficient business is uh, after introduction of uh, electronic processing of the documents. So McKinsey Agency estimates in their forecast 
that the full global introduction of uh, electronic waybills could save companies $6.5 billion in direct costs worldwide. So, uh, and what is more important, uh, they also predict that uh, this uh, could also enable 30 to 40 uh, billion growth in global trade, uh, while unlocking more than 15 billions uh, in direct benefits to the shipping ecosystem. And this would came uh, this uh, this would come from uh, improved transparency and visibility, but also from the from the elimination of the friction in handling of the trade imports uh, and exports as well. So this figure shows uh, the the gigantic uh, hurdle of the paper documents in in world, world trade. So yeah. yeah, that's that's pretty impressive so numbers. Yeah, <laughs> you, you throw billions on anything, it's pretty impressive, that's for sure. Uh, Satish, well, for you, you, how does this... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. When you put all together, then you ask yourself uh, why we are still discussing this, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's how big the numbers are. It's, And I think that's why you're seeing so many people sign on to uh, this endeavor. I mean, it's it, the, the numbers are there. Uh, the loss of profit, right, is there as well. And uh, who doesn't want to see a little bit more organized uh, global trade structure too? Uh, Satish, for you, how does... How do EBOLs change uh, the way that even retailers or e-commerce uh, can grow? Uh, and, and how does it change their operations to, to, of course, make it better for the end consumer? Right. And that's a great question, Grace. Uh, see, for a transaction to happen, there must first be trust between sellers and buyers among shipper, carrier, receiver in the e-commerce and logistics uh, landscape. There should be a clear agreement about the type, quantity, destination of goods before a transaction takes place. So uh, this is where electronic bill of lading, uh, what you're asking, you know, make sure that everyone is on the same page. Whatever receiver order will match the product details stated by the shipper and carrier. The shipment will be accurately processed and the receiver, which is the e-commerce business in this case, can mark the transaction as complete because it happened according to the agreement. So, you know, you can actually have a smart contract between two parties or multiple parties. And without actually a lot of manual intervention, you know that what is a certificate of origin, you know, and does it meet all the uh, quality requirements I have put in my contract? And if everything is uh, ma uh, is uh, matching the whatever you have in the contract, the seller gets paid immediately. So there are there is no... There are no follow-ups. There are no lags. And this greatly improves the whole buying process for the e-commerce uh, retailers. Again, you know, the another advantage is that this is all environment-friendly because there is no paper involved and it reduces the cost significantly for e-retailers. Now, whether you are shipping internationally or domestically, the electronic bill can uh, be processed from different locations or parties uh, and if any modification needs to be done or omissions are to be made in the bill of lading, which is a very common document in the uh, between the parties, then it can be done electronically without any hassle. You know, you don't have to have a lot of approvals. You don't have to exchange emails and all those things. Anything that slows down can be uh, taken care of. And finally, the efficient tracking of shipments, including audit trails, signatures, uh, this completely reduces the fraud significantly. And this is where our industry is having a lot of challenges. 
So because with globalization there, it also comes with a lot of, uh, you know, things you don't want. And uh, with whole e- uh, electronic bill of lading uh, in the e-commerce space, I think we can greatly reduce that. Yeah, I really appreciate you bringing up the fraud. I think even waste, right, when you bring up the trust, the 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 chance of the product delivering and being wrong is is much lower, which means your return processes are probably going to improve. Your waste uh, across the globe will improve. So uh, there's so many other, we, we talked about the billions of dollars in savings. I think there's even so many hidden areas uh, that would be wins as well. Now, uh, part of this is, of course, we... Uh, you guys partnering up came from, unfortunately, Trade Lens uh, shuttering after uh, uh, there wasn't really what seems like a a true path towards commercializing uh, the product. Uh, and of course, a big part of whether or not this stuff will work is, is it inoperable? Can it be uh, passed on from different providers, which a lot of the standardization is starting to take place for that? Uh, from your perspective, let's go Satish, do you think uh, that it's more of uh, trade lines fell apart due to that execution? Or do you think that we're going to have any issues uh, expanding electronic BOLs because of the interop- interoperability? Yeah, see, uh, I have worked with IBM for a very long time, you know, directly or indirectly. So one thing I can tell you that trade lines had no cracks. Rather, it was ahead of its time. Frankly, uh, and we still see today that the industry was not ready to adopt such a platform. And the timing was bad, you know, when trade lens came and, uh, you know, they had to do all the hard stuff, you know. They have to make people aware, markets, uh, you know, and give that understanding, you know, what value blockchain brings in the ecosystem. To be frank, you know, uh, we all know this is a very cost-conscious market. And some startups, I believe, provided the same solution at a much lower cost. And uh, the kind of relationship Marisk and IBM had, uh, it was good. It had all the bells and whistles you're looking for. But the need for full global uh, industry collaboration was not achieved. Uh, and these are just my, this is my, just my take, you know, it's not, uh, you yeah. should not take it like that. And frankly, as a result, what happened is that trade lens continued. They did a lot of pilots with customs, sports, and, you know, made market aware, but it did not reach the level of commercial viability, which was very necessary to continue the work and meet the financial expectations that uh, you need to run as an independent business. So I I think it failed as a commercial uh, product. But uh, technology-wise, business-wise, it was there was no reason to look back. I appreciate that honest opinion and from your expertise. I'm sure that's accurate. Uh, to wrap this up, we have a few minutes here. Brand, how long do you think it'll be until we see the uh, a, a big, huge uh, a force using electronic BOLs? And are there any big hurdles you think left to overcome in order to achieve that? Well, this is... <laughs> Uh, this is the answer I can talk for uh, hours, but okay. Uh, short answer is 2030, at least according to last uh, last nice. uh, report from DCSA, and we all uh, we were all reading those commitments from the carriers to go uh, with 50% of their uh, e- uh, BL uh, to EBL in next five years and 100% uh, by 2030. So. Uh, 
but uh, if we go a little bit deeper into this subject uh, we can see that uh, this global digital agenda agenda is actually uh, is moving uh, in in an advanced country by adopting digital legislation and that will drive the global uh, digital uh, agenda forward uh, so some of those countries already implemented such legislation and there was a great effort made uh, by United Nations and their UNCITRAL model law on electronic transferable records that serves as a template for uh, the countries. So uh, we need to mention here Egypt, of course, Singapore, United yeah. Arab Emirates, uh, India, Germany, France, UK, and they're also working on their uh, electronic trade document legal implementation as well. Uh, of course, uh, another another topic is uh, interoperability between uh, major EBL providers. Uh, so this is something where CargoX is very proud on the, the achievement and uh, and POCs we did so far with uh, with the other platforms. I think you already had some some materials from us uh, we shared uh, earlier on interoperability. This story is continuing, and uh, of course, uh, shipping industry participants uh, they need to move forward uh, uh, relatively fast. So this CSA is 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 key key uh, I would say key player here uh, and then this this uh, what what we saw this announcement of, of uh, commitment of carriers to move to electronic bills so there are more more I would say components inside and uh, maybe maybe the there was there was a digital technologies are already been used in in, in uh, shipping and freight industry for for 10 or 20 years but uh, not very successfully so uh, but with the emergence of uh, the blockchain i think the the great success uh, and trust uh, is beginning to grow and that would be i would say the time is right it's coming and yeah i think we are we made the hardest part and we are getting there really and we are still young yeah that's, that's uh... <laughs> <laughs> touche i i agree with you i think we got uh Carriers are on board, the consumers are on board, the agencies are on board, the governments are becoming on board. We've got everyone yeah. to agree this needs to be done. Now it's just getting to that finish line. Both of you, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, this is great work and I can't wait to continue covering it. Uh, let's get these electronic VOLs out there because uh, we got some, some bigger trade to push out as well. And for our audience out there, thank you so much for checking out Point of Sale again today. Go to FreightWaste.com, click on newsletters, add Point of Sale so you can become part of our community. And I will see you all next week.